Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Comedy Central. Oh, man. It's got to suck to get fired over vaccine protocols just when they about to start lifting mask mandates. Man, now hiring. Andrea Bordeaux, one of the stars of the television series Run the World, says she was fired after refusing to be vaccinated before they begin production on season two. Representatives from the Stars Network say that the Run the World star will not be replaced. Bordeaux said, quote, despite the article saying that I chose to leave, I did not opt to leave the series. Lion Gates made no efforts to find a workable solution. I was fired, end quote. Now, third, I think it's messed up that they're not going to replace her. That's the only thing that I don't agree with. Hmm. You got it right. Hmm. Every company got it right. Now, we can argue whether or not you should get this jab or whatever. But an employer, I got it right. If I'm shooting a show, I can say, hey, motherfucker, take a NyQuil every day before you come to this. I got the right to that. But I don't don't like it. I don't like it when TV shows just disappear characters and act like we Mm -hmm. didn't notice. The poster, well, all the season gotta, one, is four black gotta, women giggling. And then it's just what? three black women? We just supposed to just act like, where the fourth one? Coronavirus, where you think the fourth one is? Like, I mean, ultimately. They're going to kill her. Ultimately. <laughs> they're going to kill her. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, I feel bad for her, but I think also a lot of these shows don't want to have, for lack of a better word, an Aunt Viv situation either. A lot of these shows don't like explaining why they replaced one actor with another actor. Damn, what's issues. worse, JG, disappearing an actor or recasting them and just acting like the shit ain't happening? I think you need to recast because you're absolutely correct. How do we go from four to three? But I think there's a bigger issue here. Black women, you just can't cast us to the side. They should have found a workaround. Shit, they did. They found a workaround, all right. <laughs> they found a workaround. They found a graphic designer in Adobe that could take her picture out of the poster, too. It's a workaround. No, maybe she goes to another country or something, and we only see her via Zoom. I don't know, but they should have worked with her until she came around to getting the vaccine. Yeah. That's nice. They do those things. Mm -hmm. You're so nice. They do those things. Too bad you're in charge of the network. (laughs) They should have signed you up. That's what I'm looking for. Send her ass upstairs like Judy Winslow on Family Matters. Never to be seen again. 
My name is Roy. This is my job fair. Black History Month. We trudge on third. Last week we took a little departure. Thank you to everybody who called. Wonderful, wonderful feedback mm-hmm. on Rod's relationship oh, man. fair. Yes. Oh, man. A lot of people, people appreciating the work, love, advice. And shout out to Corey up there in North Jersey, getting freaky with a man 20 years older than her. Oh, and a lot of 40 year old men in the old job fair inbox trying to. Hey, uh, did, did y'all mention her, her Instagram? No, we didn't, you fucking pervert. No, we did not mention her Instagram. We deliberately didn't. I'm telling y'all nothing. We got a theme today Black Cinema, Black Cinema, single guests. And we're going to talk to two wonderful people that have built. And we talk about the pivot. We're talking about building something that you, your passion, and building it at a time where no one else saw the vision but you. Because, you know, we talk about when you're pivoting into something new, you really are driving in fog. And sometimes you're the only one that can feel your way through it, man. So we're going to talk about the world of black cinema. Do do we want to keep it horror third? But I guess it's technically all TV production and entertainment, but it really is about black movie making. And it really is about no matter what the genre of blackness is, ways that you can build your own career or your own lane for yourself and what I believe to be entertainment is definitely becoming more. You don't need the studios as much as you think you do mm-hmm. for Man. everything that you're trying to do, especially if you can sell fun mm. and you can figure out ways to kind of skirt around all the gatekeepers. It ain't as many gates, so you don't need as many gatekeepers. So we're going to speak. With- and, and we've got, we've got, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't even want to take their name from you, but we got two black folks who, as far as I'm concerned, have been skating one of the hardest gates to skate um, when it comes to entertainment, because it's real hard to do black sci-fi. It's real Ooh. hard to do black horror. It's real hard to, to, to do deep historical things about black folks. And this was before the internet where you could lie about oh. who you were. You really had, they've, they've, they've been around. They've been yeah, around and, 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 it, and I, super as a black nerd, happy to have. Because when you talk about black Hollywood, the default is to go to Tyler Perry because he's the broadest, most commercially successful black creative that built it from the ground up or whatever, but there's so many other people doing it in so many different ways to get into that world. So I'm very, very excited about talking to them today. JG, what's your favorite black movie since we're talking black cinema today? Oh, why do you throw me under the bus like this? You know Let's I think about horror. things. Let's just talk. If we're going to talk horror, I'm going to go Tales from the Hood. Saw that. Uh-huh. Um... And this one isn't a black movie, but you know a horror movie I really enjoyed in the 80s third was Critters. Mm. Oh. Little little killer gerbils (laughs) with the poison darts and and they was in Kansas and they roll into a ball, but all the critters could get together in a super ball and it would eat anything that the anything the ball rolled over, it consumed all the flesh off of that thing. Mm. That was a good movie. Ah, Mine is simple. Every time. If I gotta do if we're doing horror, it's Candyman. Without question, okay. Candyman is, is is my favorite black horror movie ever written, and then my favorite black uh, horror documentary ever done is Get Out. That was good. You think Get Out's a documentary? It's a horror documentary. <laughs> that's what it is. Okay, that's all I know. Sticking to it. It's a horror documentary. <laughs> Who's who's on the line, Jacqueline? Okay, the list of accolades is super long, Roy, and you know that. 
So I'm going to condense it so we can talk about it further. It's a husband and wife team transforming the industry as it relates to films, books, and also universities. Extremely excited to welcome and learn from. I know you don't want me to call you this, but Madam D. And also Mr. Barnes. Oh, Tanana Reeve D. Stephen Barnes, welcome aboard the job fair. Thank you, Roy Woods. It is an honor to be here. Oh, my gosh. Love it. I had a dream of being on your show. Yes. Listen to him. Oh, my I'm on a podcast. Could you imagine if Dr. King had a podcast? Stop. Mm. This is the third time I've seen you two. Now, we chopped it up for the Daily Show on a run about black people and horror and the history of black horror. And we're going to get to horror noir and everything that that is in a second. And then you were kind enough to have me as a guest on your podcast, which is, what are y'all in, episode five or six now? Yeah, we just did episode five. Yeah, that's right. We're about to six be up uh, this Sunday. It's uh, lifewritingpodcast.com. Nice. We talk about the arts and the, the methods of actually not just succeeding in the arts, but keeping yourself sane as you do. Mm. So, Tanana Reeve, you and your husband separately have had journeys with regards to television production, with regards to just learning the art of cinema that eventually culminated with you two meeting. If, like, people like y'all are why I believe in, like, like, like soulmates, because I'm like, Aww. all right, y'all, that, that makes sense. Okay, you like, you like scary movies? Mm-hmm. You like film? Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> all right, let's get married and study that together. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I, the first time I was in her house and I saw that she had Day of the Triffids sitting on her shelf, I, I said, oh, I'm marrying her. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love that. I love you both. I love you both. I love the fact that you saw that, and that was I love that you was both. it. I'm done. That was I'm it. Good. Now, we met I'm at a, an African American Fantastic Imagination Conference. It was the first com- uh, conference for Black Science Fiction writers. Octavia Butler was there. Chip Delaney was there. A lady named Jewel Gomez. Hey, we got a shout out. A new yeah. writer named Reeve Du. Clark Atlanta University. Nice. That's, right. that's, that's where, we, where met. we met. Pascal's. Y'all met at the AU yes. Center. Hell yeah, Pascal's. We, well, that's Hell yeah. That's right. <laughs> shout out shout out to AUC. Did we have our first breakfast together at Pascal's? Yes, we did. That's yes, right. So, so that's and the blackest seven, ass story like, you ever heard, probably. So yeah. Seventy two hours after we met, we were basically engaged. We were sitting in the airport wow. leaning our heads against each other, mm-hmm. talking about how we could build an empire together. I just I saw her talk about how she got Stephen King to give her a cover blurb and realized this woman was brilliant. She had done a three-wall bank shot on him using different skills to get to different positions and had executed perfectly. And I just sat there in the audience and said, oh, my God, she's smart. And then almost as if recognizing how smart she was gave me permission, the next thought in my mind was, and she's really cute, too. And I, I, I sort of adopted her as a little sister before then. I My intentions had been totally clean. I just wanted to to help her as much as I could, give her as much information as I could. But then once I saw that, I just, it was like, oh my God, she's going home to Miami tomorrow. I'm going home to Washington State. We couldn't be further apart in the continental United States. I've got to get her attention. 
I got her to get her attention. And so I looked around the room. There was a woman sitting two seats away from me with a baby on her lap. Tanana Reeve was down off the stage signing autographs. I turned to the woman sitting there. I said, excuse me, ma'am, could I borrow your baby? And she said, what? She knew me from the conference. I said, I just love babies. I don't want to take the baby out of the room. And I, she said, okay, I took the baby and got down on the floor and started playing with the baby in front of Tanana Reeve while she was signing autographs. <laughs> and I did a Scooby take. I'm like, eh? yeah, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> I was what in my 30s had... and single and like, whoa. What if that had backfired, man? She see you with a baby like, oh, he got a fresh baby. I don't fool with no man. <laughs> no, no because it wasn't. That I, baby don't I, even I, look like him. I could tell from things she'd said about her family that she had been raised in a good family mm. with loving parents. And if she was a healthy female of in her early 30s, uh, then the chances are very good that her instincts were going to run in that direction, and there would be no way she could look at a, a professional black man mm-hmm. who loved babies without her hind brain going, Ur? You know, honey, 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 honey. It wasn't just the baby, though. I mean, yeah, the baby, I did notice the baby, and I was like looking, going, aww. But also, <laughs> I had just heard you speak, and even hmm. before I got to the conference, I, I saw an episode he wrote of The Outer Limits back uh, the, in the 80s. That episode mm-hmm. called A Stitch in Time, Amanda Plummer, where a scientist invents a time machine to go back in time to kill serial killers before they can strike. Word! That was his. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got to meet you him. Give me an Cable Ace oh. Award. Yeah, you all. Yeah. And that's what I want to get into a little later in the show, because between the two of you, there's Emmy Awards, there's Cable Aces, there's NAACP Image Awards. And before American Book Award for T, British Fantasy Award for T. Bro. And Black Nerd Love Award for me, because together, the both of you helped raise my black nerdy ass. Well, like all of the hard shit, all of the stuff that you all did was the stuff that my mama raised me on. Truth be told, my mother-in-law is mad right now that she can't come up here. She's, I'm, I'm, when I break, I'm going to go get them. She literally has like three of Tannery's books. Oh. And my books, is, my Stephen books are in storage. We're also going to talk mm-hmm. uh, to Nana Reeve about the curriculum that you teach at UCLA that has Ralph mm-hmm. so excited and about to have a nervous breakdown. But before we get into everything that you all have built, that at a time when you conceived it was counterculture. Hmm. Let's talk about that first and the worst jobs. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. you want to go first? When you yeah, I, you know, broke ass people and you didn't know each other. <laughs> Living on different sides of the country. Different side. I grew up in Miami, and actually, it's Black History Month, so it's fitting to point out because my first job uh, came with sort of a tragic backstory. There was a motorcyclist named Arthur McDuffie. That Miami police beat to death. Twelve mm-hmm. officers uh, beat this man yeah. to death, tried to cover it up, make it look like his motorcycle had crashed. And that acquittal caused the Miami insurrection in 1980. That was my first Black Lives Matter moment. Okay, I was oh. like, oh, shoot, what? You can, like, wow. you can murder somebody, try to cover it up. The newspaper uncovers it. Y'all still ain't going to jail. So that was my first Black Lives wow. Matter. And what came out of that was that the Miami Herald realized they didn't have enough black reporters, like most newspapers still don't to this day. And they started... You want to go down to... You want to go down to Carroll City and cover the angry Negroes? Right, oh, no, pretty boss. much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, boss. I don't Shoot. know. I'm good. I don't so know. they, and what was happening was they would try to recruit candidates, but people didn't like Miami. Miami has its own flavor. So mm-hmm. if you're not from Miami, it's very multicultural. It's its own vibe, right? And I, I was from Miami. You have to know that city. You have to be yes. of Miami to really yeah. move journalistically. To really 
Exactly. Yeah, ain't no so way. They, ain't no way you can work in Dade without being. Yeah, they they, they just no they way. started a high school internship program. So that was literally my first job. I was 15 years old, and I interviewed to be a high school intern. I worked in a little neighborhood bureau called Neighbors. So it was a good and bad. Okay, first mm-hmm. I got my first front page story at the age of 16 years old. Because of high school gossip in my hallways, apparently the high school football team, uh, Miami Southridge High School Spartans, had uh, run down a thief on the football field. And so that story seemed cute to my editors. They probably beat the hell out of him. But anyway, that didn't go in the story. I got me my first front page story. But the flip side is, as I, first of all, um, I always wanted to be a novelist. I was a fiction writer at heart. Journalism was just sort of my back pocket gig, right, Mm -hmm. to try to Mm -hmm. make a living. That was so-called a stable career back then. But I kept coming back as an intern, and that was when I learned how police lie. I mean, I learned it during Mm -hmm. McDuffie, but I guess I forgot. Mm Because then when I was a reporter on the scene, an officer just started listing a whole bunch of things that somebody had done. Oh, yeah, we just uh, had a raid in this warehouse, and he's wanted on this, and he's been on the on the run for that, and, and we charging him with this and that and the other. It was not true, okay? Not a word of what he said to me was true. And I printed it all unfiltered in the newspaper. Oh. And I'm just lucky he had a sense of humor because mm. he calls me on the phone, oh, I understand from reading my newspaper today. And I knew I was in trouble, okay, because he was just, like, running it down that uh-huh. none of this was yeah, true. And it was just true. awful. I was, I felt so bad. I should have been fired, really. But I felt so bad. Mm. Um, and that was my lesson. Do not, I mean, police uh, can be included in your story. Police say, police claim. That's what I wish reporters would say. Mm. Police claim <laughs> the assailant. Mm. Because, you know, bar. they don't do that. It's always listed as facts. And that just ain't so. Well, that. How did you end up leaving this job? When did you finally say goodbye to this publication? Um, you know, bless those reporters, bless that job. It was really when I met Steve, when we got engaged. Actually, when we got married. I hollered y'all. I found me a man. I could, basically, I quit. <laughs> after, after, after ten wow. years, after ten years, and and I just wasn't cut out for it. I'm not confrontational. I don't want to. I don't want to irritate people. Like if you're mourning, I don't want to be in your face. It's just like, ugh, I was not cut out to be a journalist. So thank goodness I, I found love and I uh, moved to Washington State to be with my man. Mm. You gotta love somebody. That's what's up. You moved to Washington State. You ain't but four black people. It wasn't well, from Miami. Yeah, we were, oh, it was a shock. It was a oh for real. It was a culture. Ken Griffey wasn't shock. even up there yet. Shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I had moved to a foreign country that was just like the United States, except it didn't have any black people there. It was like, uh-huh. yeah, they call black people colored. And this was oh. back in, in like 97, 98, 2000. They were still calling black people colored in Washington, in oh, our yeah. town. Oh, man. Mm. Well, this is going to be great. After the break, Stephen, I want to get your um, worst of first. Maybe we'll figure out a little scam. If y'all can tell us a little bit of the scams that are going on in the world of entertainment as well. We also got to check in with the homie Narado, a.k.a. Rob for short. It's Cinema Week. We're talking black cinema, black movie, black and black, black black. <laughs> Job fell. Be right back with our black, blackly ass. Black. <laughs>
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Job Fair, Black History Month, man. Black History Month, and we are talking the world of black cinema, black movies. Our guest for the entire ride is wonderful, wonderful authors and TV producers and writers, Tanana Redu and Stephen Barnes, also husband and wife. And we know she loved him because she moved to Washington State to be with his ass. Exactly. You know, that's right. Thank y'all for being on with us. Um, Steven, we're going to get to your worst and first, kind of your scam hybrid story in a second. But this is the part of the show where we bring on a white people, black people-ologist. And I don't know how often you all have listened to the job fair, but this brother comes to us from Parts Unknown. And his job every week is to come on this program and give our listeners topic or two that they can bring up with co-workers of the opposite race. You know what I'm saying, Stephen? To keep the shit moving at your job. You got boring co-workers. You got to come up with something stupid to small talk with them about. And that's where this gentleman comes in. His mama named him Narado. We call him Rod for short. Rod, first off, what you sipping on this week? You sipping over there? Look like you were pulling up. Yeah, yeah. I got a little concoction uh, I created on my birthday a while back, um, you know, had a little room, we were drinking, uh, had some hypnotic, and we were trying to figure out, what does hypnotic go with? What do you mix it with? And tried a couple things and came up with the most delicious mix is hypnotic and grape soda. It is the blackest shit. And black, you drinking... I have ever heard. You drinking... It's (laughs) the history to get down. 
I'm unapologetically black. Greek soda during Black History Month. You're gonna turn your back on what you know. Uh, you go, you go front. You go front. You go come from Alabama and front on Not grape. Not grape, grape like that. and lemon pepper wings. But go ahead. A lot of good, mm. lot of good feedback for you last week, Rod, on the relationship fair. A lot of folks showing love. Third. I think we got to run relationship fair back. Maybe like, what you think? Once every two months, we have Rod check in with people dating somebody that they work with. I was thinking that, man. Like, maybe once every two months, just have a yeah. whole show dedicated to Rod talking to the people. And, uh, you know, we, we cover all kind of office romance issues. I think it'd be dope. All right, Rod. Well, we I'm got two help. wonderful, wonderful esteemed guests here. And I do want to talk to them about their documentary, Horror Noir, where they break down the history of black horror movies. But first, I thought you said horror noir. <laughs> horror. <laughs> horror. <laughs> now, I don't know. Tanana Reeves, Steven, is there plans for a sequel? Oh. Will y'all focus? Uh, <laughs> not that I've heard. Not that I've heard. Okay. <laughs> No, I, it sounds like it just, it be, on black sex workers the world's <laughs> oldest profession. That's right. We gotta let them know. Black whores have been That's here right. since day one. It's time to get their Probably. Yes. That's right. I think some of the original oh. ones might still be around. I think I might see oh, her shoot. All now, come on. get that money. I'm worried about the wrong person. Don't stop. It don't stop. Oh. It don't Taking stop. Taking her feet right. out. See? <laughs> I already give her something special, <laughs> yo, man. What's French is That's right. <laughs> Rod, put that grape soda down. I'm done. W- once you go gums, you ain't had See? no fun. I don't know. Something like that. And this is like he is in front of his wife. Imagine Steven without Tanana Reeve around. You know he is. I'm just used to it by now. Used he is my it. leash. <laughs> Mm, Rod, mm, put down mm. the hypnotic and give these folks a couple of topics they can break the ice with their co-workers. White people. Some big news in black culture right now is that actress Lisa Ray McCoy recently revealed on a podcast that uh, she was a gangster girl back in the day running around in Chicago and she has been to jail several times, she said, for fighting, pistol whipping, even shooting people so that's that's how she stays so down to earth she says because it's it's in her it's in her blood she's been a regular person she knows what it's like out here and yeah I saw Lisa Lisa Ray, Ray, my first internship Grace. my first radio internship in Tallahassee WVHT Hot 105.7 North Florida South Georgia's number one for hip-hop and R&B it was when mm. it was the year after Players Club came out and Lisa Ray was doing club appearances. It's like the eye candy. This is the beginning of the eye candy era of yes, hip-hop and Vita Guerrera oh. and all of the, you know, Buffy the, the Body, Superhead, and all of them, right? And mm. Lisa Ray had a calendar that she was autographing. It was like, you know, she's in all, you know, every the meat is all hanging out on the calendar. And she's autographing these lingerie calendars at a club. And some dude came up and tried to grab we got a guest JG so I'm gonna be appropriate okay. some guest tried to grab one of her mammary glands no. <laughs> and I don't know you remember in Street Fighter there was a move that Guile had called the spinning back fist where you pirouette yep. like a ballet dancer and just a full extension backhand slap with your fist she did that oh. shit while sitting 
from a seated position. Yeah. <laughs> what? She's not to be fucked with, bro. That's why she didn't do that again. You know how some no. people go, I used to be a killer. I even like, shut your ass. No. Lisa Ray McCoy, I believe that. I believe that. She always, she always got props <laughs> from me because she, was, she would only do the bikini pictures back in the day. And then, you know, cats thought that they would get extra if they paid to go onto her site. But ha, she fooled you. You just got more bikini pictures. She never showed herself nude. And charged dudes to see more pictures of her still in bikini. Personally, at the time of my life, it was extremely frustrating. Because I didn't have the money to spend, and I needed to see her naked. But, you know, I thought it was sharp. Ralph was on that. What? Right. Ralph was on that old school OnlyFans. He had a floppy disk. He was down low. <laughs> I take I take my own money to the doggone computer lab and kiss my ass. I was using Netscape and Firefox. Look at that part on the Apple uh, too. <laughs> it, it might have been a Linux station, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was in tune. With the black and green screen. Oh, you already know what I was looking at. That's what makes you worse. That's the worst part. Let's flip you know? it up, Rod. Let's flip it up. What what the black people need to be doing about what white folks up to this week? Black people, there's a, a huge warning you want to give to your, your white co-workers right now uh, pertaining to wolves. Right now in uh, Minnesota, apparently wolves are evolving and in the Voyagers National Park they found a wolf who was not afraid of humans or snowmobiles and they observed this wolf just casually strutting around while people were getting their snowmobile on and he was Wait. just hanging out Apparently, there's very abnormal behavior. This one wolf is not fucking around. So much so that they gave this weird warning. And it says, quote, The wolf seemed unalarmed, did not appear to exhibit fear of people or snowmobiles, and just sauntered, lingered in the area. This is extremely abnormal behavior, and folks should exercise caution if they encounter this wolf. End quote. Now... That is a good warning, but I think it's hilarious that they want people to pick out one, one fucking wolf from the Thank you. Like, like, how do, like, how are you supposed to know that's the wolf you're supposed to be right. I'm so glad you said that, bro. I was thinking, like, how the hell are you supposed you to know? you come in contact with this wolf, stay away. Like, I'm staying away from all damn wolves. Because it walks up to you and asks for your pain. Like you're trying to suck you into something. Right. Watch out. It's waiting on people to fall off the back of them snowmobiles so you can go and grab one. That's right. Easy you know how like you got you making your plate at the house and the dog follow you around and wait for that little scrap to fall <laughs> off the plate? That's how that wolf. <laughs> but, bro, that's not, but that's a... Th- that's the equivalent of a bear waiting for you to go to sleep so he can eat you easier. Like, I, that, that, that's scary as hell to me, man. Like, if they're evolving to be that sharp, man, that's scary, man. I'm glad that I don't like snow. I also love that Shit. in this arrogance of this story, there's an underlying arrogance to this story that somehow us humans are the ones that are invading the world. So, no. Mm. The mm. wolf ain't acting normal. Right. He's supposed to We're be not scared. Apex no, it's a wolf. Sooner or later, it's going to go, what's up? I'll eat your ass. That's what it's supposed to do. It's very dangerous. It's very Caesar in the planet of the apes-ish. Because if wolves see him not being scared, mm. then the rest of them going to stop being scared. And then Minnesota's going to be overtaken by wolves. No, wolf. no eat wolf. <laughs> wolf, eat wolf. Wolf, no eat wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So let, let white people know. Stay away. The podcast away. is Uncle Rod's Story Corner. Rod, as always, brother, thank you for coming thank through. You, I'm going to leave you with your, with your great hypnotic black history. The only thing missing is Hennessy. Why don't not put some Hennessy crying. in it, dude? I don't drink oh. family court liquor. Yo, son. Family court. I love you, Rod. God damn, I love you. Bookmark that for next week, Rod. Because I want to know what the other family court liquors are. Thank you, Rod. Bye, Rod. Thank you. Peace, Rod. Bless up. Bless up. (laughs) He gives good advice. (laughs) Tanana Reduce, Stephen Barnes, they're with us today. We're talking about, you know, black cinema and black television um, and their path in creating so many beautiful, beautiful things. Now, Stephen, you, you know what's interesting? In your in your in our write up that uh, my producer Hayat gave us, and down South Georgia girls doing some digging, you've done all of this wonderful black science fiction, like you, because as a as a as a as a black writer, and they're trusting you to tell a story on an episode of television, and you choose to infuse a little bit of blackness. I understand all of that. How you end up writing an episode of Baywatch? <laughs> Well, actually, considering that you you mentioned that, I might switch to, in terms of the worst job situation, because I never want to work for those guys again, so I might as well tell a story on them. Basically, what happened is the very first thing I ever wrote for television was for a show called, uh, well, actually, it was the first hour-long episode. The first thing I ever did was for uh, Twilight Zone. But then I did, there was a show called The Wizard with that little guy from Time Bandits, David Rappaport, playing uh, an inventor. You know, who's a dwarf inventor who did all these different things. And I wrote the last episode of that of the series because it, it didn't get picked up. It was called Henry VIII. It was about a robot that develops sentience that, that, that becomes alive. And the producers on that, uh, Michael Burke and Doug Schwartz, uh, went on to do Baywatch. And a script that I had written crossed their desk. And they looked at it, and they liked the script, and then they realized that it was me, and they remembered that they liked me. Um, I had, I had, <laughs> I had finessed that because I'd been studying neurolinguistic programming, which talks about things called matching and modeling. So I sat in the office when I went in to pitch to uh, Henry VIII originally, uh, rather pitch to to the Wizard originally, and when when Michael Burke would cross his legs, I'd cross my legs. If he crossed his arms, I'd cross my arms. I would match his tone of voice. I would match the pace at which he was speaking. I would match his verbal predicates. If he said C, you know, I would know, oh, he's visual, so I would use visual stuff. At the end of the meeting, he looked over and said, you know, you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. Why? Because (laughs) I seem to him like him. Okay, now... (laughs) Later on, so I wrote, you know... That's a scam. They looked at my stuff on Baywatch. Uh, on on uh, they they asked me to come in for Baywatch, and I had I had never seen the show. I'd heard of it, but I got several several uh, VHS tapes of it, and I watched it up in my house. I was living up in Canyon Country at the time, and I looked at at it. And my daughter, who was about six or seven at the time, Nikki was sitting on the couch next to me watching it. And after I'd watched about three or four episodes, I looked at her and I said, "Well, what do you think of this?" And she said, "Well." It's nice people working hard to make the beach safe so that people can have fun. And I said, you know, there's worse stuff than that in the world. I'll write for this show. And I wrote it to the best of my ability, and I actually got to put in one line that really touched my core philosophy, which is love isn't two people looking at each other. It's two people looking in the same direction. 
And mm. because at that Shush. time, Baywatch was the most popular show in, in world, Baywatch. Over <laughs> Baywatch. a billion people saw that from me. So, yeah, it was Baywatch, you know, Pam Anderson. I've got a great Pam Anderson story I'll tell you some other time. Um, but <laughs> the best gig in the world. So we were, you know, it was, it was a good thing. Then things went wrong. Um, one of the p- shows I pitched to them was about a television producer who goes to Baywatch to do a television series, a movie about lifeguards, and they hate it because he makes all the guys look like steroid airheads and all the women look like silicone bimbos. And I'm sitting back after I pitched this, I'm thinking to myself, they're not going to go for this, are they? they? Do they know I'm talking about their show? But they loved yeah, it. That's what literally what the show is. <laughs> they, they loved it. And they, they let me write it, and I wrote it. And because comedy isn't my specialty and because they knew the show better than I did, uh, one of the uh, producers on the show, I won't say which one, had to rewrite my episode quite a bit, which was fine. But then I got a call from my agent saying that um, he wanted half of the credit on the show, which meant half the money for the residuals. These guys are already multimillionaires. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm just trying to make my my mortgage. I'm trying, I'm just a working writer trying to get, why is he doing this? Mm -hmm. And I said, I told him, I said, give him the credit. Don't fight this because if he fights it and loses, he's going to take it out on me, and that's exactly what happened. He Mm. he went to the Writers Guild. He lost at the Writers Guild, and the next thing I knew, he was a neighbor of the guy who ran my agency, and basically went over to this guy's house and told him that I wasn't a good writer, and they'd only hired him out of loyalty. Basically, an affirmative action hire, you know. So I was, I was crushed. I was hard because I thought these guys. But wait, but why did that? Why did that escalate? Didn't you tell your agent let it slide? I'll share because the the writers guild won't let you do it. The writers guild forces you into arbitration. They won't let the studio twist your arm on something like that. So their readers read both scripts and said, "No, no, this is Steve Barnes's script. You just you just tarted it up a little bit." So I was heartbroken, and my wife at the time this before Tananarive was tired of seeing me get hurt by Hollywood. And she, mm. after the Silmar earthquake, she, she said, I'm getting out of California, which is how we ended up moving up to the north, up to the northwest. So I gave mm. my house back to the bank, which had been, you know, trashing my credit, because I had a choice. I could have my career in Hollywood, or I could be a father. Mm-hmm. And there's no contest. You know, my kids trump everything to me. So mm-hmm. um, I gave the house back to the bank. I rented an 18-wheeler, packed it up, and was just about to turn off the utilities when the telephone rang. I picked it up. It's my agent. He said, Steve, Baywatch wants to talk to you. I said, what? So I called them up, and this guy says, Stevie, baby. You know, we're one strip short this season, we need it fast, and we need it good. So, of course, we thought of you. I said, I bet you did. And so mm. we met Stevie, at- baby. What's going on? It's just <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Ah, we exactly. met at this restaurant, and on the back of a of a napkin, uh, we I, we sketched out a story about an ecological terrorist who who kidnaps the uh, sailboat of one of the lifeguards to blow up a, a oil rig, but because to reward me for doing this on short notice, they also let me give. Uh, Garner, the black lifeguard on the show, his first love story. 
And so that was the brother on wow. the four wheeler, right? So, in the tight shorts. Yes, that's right. He was kind of beefy. Yeah. He wasn't as ripped as, as the other guys. So, they never let him do shit, but ride around on that fucking well, I four gave him wheeler. His first love story. So basically, what happened? Nice. Was I'm driving up the coast, and I'm writing at night in in motels while I'm driving up to Washington. I'm thinking to myself, these sons of and- bitches hurt me. I don't ever want to work for them again. I want some revenge. I want some Uh-oh. payback. What Uh-oh. can I nice do shit. to these people? Oh, and I shit. came up with a perfect stratagem. Here so here's what happens. Garner, oh, the, 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 the cop the black is, is chasing this, okay. this uh, bicycle thief and falls off the dock. And this black lifeguard saves him, gives mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And... Um, the, the lifeguard, by the way, was played by one of the uh, the uh huh girls that, that Ray Charles, that Ray Charles, old Ray Charles commercial. The Pepsi girls, and yeah. She came, when mm. she saw me, she that came Pepsi. dancing across the studio and threw herself into my arms. Garner asked, you know, basically. So it's he, he said, "How did you write that scene?" Because here's the scene. So she saves him, and then he approaches her later on, and the following scene takes place. He says, she says, you're not going to use that old line about now that I've saved your life, you belong to me. And he says, no, I've got a brand new line that I, I know a bar where the steaks sizzle so fine that cows line up to jump on the grill. And she says, scouts on her. And she, he says, I was never a scout, but I am prepared. And she says, well, I don't ordinarily eat meat, but I might make an exception tonight. <laughs> And Garner, the guy who played Garner, because it was a family show. He said, "How this is network television? This is primetime network television." He said, "How did you get that line in the script?" I said, "It was easy. The first draft said I don't ordinarily eat red meat, and as soon as they obeyed it, I just dropped out the word red from the next draft. I knew they wouldn't read it carefully enough to know what I'd done, and they didn't until it was on the air, and the parents' groups were sending them nasty letters." Scam worthy. There you scam go. Scam worthy. Well done. That there it is. Was a motherfucking scam. Yes. Well done. I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm. I, I have anyone who I might hire us in the future. My negritude. Yeah. You know, anyone there, who might hire us, you'll never do that again. You'll <laughs> never do it again, saying, everyone. <laughs> he might. You never know. He got to keep that gun on him. You never know when you might know have to when smash a cuss word. Got to get a little gangster there. After the break. We're going to bring it home after the break because I want to talk about everything that you all are doing today. I want to talk a little bit about the podcast as well. You know, Tanana Reeve, everything that you're teaching about Afrofuturism. And also, I want to talk about the stuff that you all are writing now currently as well for CBS and CBS All Access. It's a job fair. We'll be right back, man. I knew that, JG, I knew this was going to be a good story when he says strategic. <laughs> you hear that I, word I got to talk to you about my strategery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I put my foot all up in Baywatch. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Job fair. We still cooking, man. Cinema week. Uh, Tanana Reed do Stephen Barnes, husband and wife. Also, wonderful, wonderful content creators and television producers and writers. And let's let's dig in on everything that you are now and your path. Because Stephen, you came from a bit of that studio system of writing the te- like you you tried to do it the right way. I'm a giant fucking do it. No, yeah, yeah, I came out of writing novels and then I started working in television and I ran into problems. I mean, I would write I would write characters, you know, where the, you know, the, the lead character was black and they would swap out white characters. I mean, the outer limits did I had, a, I had a, an episode about a inner city gang that hijacks a military convoy holding pieces of the Roswell, U, uh, Roswell UFO crash, and there's still something alive in, in the thing. And they said that they couldn't make it a black street gang because there weren't enough black people in Vancouver to shoot British Columbia. Oh. They'd have to import Negroes <laughs> across the border, and there was a stiff tariff on Negroes <laughs> if you move them across so the border. So he tried it that way. Um, so it, it was – I tried it. I tried to work inside the studio system, you know, and I still do. But you, you can't. You have to understand that that's not the only path. Well, let me let me tell you. You know, it, what it's happened, really important. What happened, which Go was ahead. significant, because I'd been publishing horror since 1995. I had a lot of little nibbles. You know, I used to fish with my mom, and I used to have some nibbles on the line, but never could get anything produced. And then Jordan Peele produced and uh, wrote and released that documentary get out <laughs> and, uh, and that, that just blew the doors off that blew the doors off in terms of 
at least even lip service from studios and executives who wear the blacks with the horror movie idea. <laughs> right? We need, get me a black. Yeah, but really, they would say black people don't like science fiction. They would tell you black people face. don't like horror. I, I had white people arguing with me that they knew black people better than I did and that black people did not like, and it's like... It's ridiculous. I, yeah. I, it's 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 beyond ridiculous. It's so, it's incredibly okay, so insulting. Then with that insult, Tanana Reeve, was that part of what inspired you to, you know, you have, there's the streamer Shudder mm-hmm. and I have a subscription. Thank you. My girl watch it. Thank you to I her. I share the password with my little brother. It's a lot of scary shit on this site. <laughs> a lot. On that stream. From all over the world. <laughs> I am a nervous man, but I do enjoy I enjoy horror comedy. That's kind of my thing. Like I need a joke every ten to fifteen minutes to kind of add levity to the to the jumps and the scares or whatever. But you all create this wonderful documentary called Horror Noir. Not Rod. Rod mm-hmm. is still in my head. Yeah. Horror. <laughs> horror. Noir. Noir. And, and when you, when I talk about the impact of Jordan Peele, I was an executive producer on that. It's directed by Xavier Bergen. I was just lucky to be invited, you know, to be an executive producer. I didn't have to pitch it. I didn't have to do none of the work. I just had to show up and do my on camera and help, you know, promote it. But that got the green light the day Jordan Peele won his Oscar. So when I talk about Jordan, wow. yeah, the day. So when I talk about his impact, it's not theoretical. It was like literally horror noir found its home because Jordan Peele demonstrated the the interest and appetite for black horror. And and he has just opened, and then we got a Twilight Zone episode uh, out of it. Uh, Steve and I co-wrote. So that was my first TV credit. First TV credit was with Steve writing for the new Twilight Zone. And it was great for me because I grew up on the Twilight Zone. My first television uh, credit was the 80s Twilight Zone. And then in some ways, according to my agent, I was not supposed to be able to get back into Hollywood because I had aged out. That you know that they did not write, they did not hire people to write television freelancers anymore. He said it was all uh, written by writing rooms, and they didn't hire anybody for the writing rooms over forty, and I was already over fifty at that time. So it was it was a matter of really trying to play chess, and Jordan Peele's giving us the opportunity to do this. You know, I will love him forever. He is, he, plus, he's just a yeah. brilliant guy There's, and a good guy. He the really worth is. in you two is twofold to me. And we, I try, and you know, we have ignorant episodes where, yes, we talk about office sex, but then we also have episodes like this where I feel like, in spite of what your career is, even if someone can't relate to it, there's two things with you all that I think anyone could take and apply to any field that they're in where they're trying to build and assemble their own empire. One, the art of collaboration, how you two are able to work, because this isn't normal. The, like a husband and wife doing the same thing side by side and then taking their business home. Like the, the, you all are very much in a large minority there. Number two, how are you all at a time able to keep your vision? How were you able to stay true to your vision for so long when so few people saw it or even agreed with it? Mm. Man, you are, you're touching something that is so deep and so powerful. Can we take those one at a time? Yeah, yeah, the, let's, yeah. The first collaboration, when we first got married, we knew we wanted to work together, but I also knew that the relationship comes first. So we set up some rules, and one of them is just that. 
the relationship itself is never on the line. We have to be able to fight. Oh. You know, it, it, any creator knows that you fight with yourself about stuff. So if there's two of you, you're going to fight and you have to have permission to fight. You have to be able to fight for what you believe Shut. to be true. You fight for the perspective you think is right. You know, and, and you go at it, hammer and tongs. But you, it, the relationship itself is not on the line. I love her. I adore her. She is my he baby. And he doesn't she mean, he doesn't mean streaming wrong. fights Never. like we're not calling each other names. Well, there was at one time before we got married, but I don't no. do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I took that word out of my vocabulary. That was my first time. I didn't know. But anyway, yeah, it's not that kind of fighting. But he's right. We're going to argue. No, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that you both... Um understand at the end of the day that it's about the relationship like that's really what it's about like you can't i'm the only married i'm the only other married person in here uh so i i, I can say like the one of the things that my wife and i share is uh we we don't we never go to bed angry mm. we might debate we might fight whatever but we won't go to bed angry so i, I, I dig what y'all was well, saying well there are times when i'm a little i'm a little pissed but i make sure that she knows yeah, i'll get over it up. i know i'll get over it. i'm just Still, you know, still working my way through this. And one of the ways I do that is by realizing she's the best I can do. If I thought I could have done better, I would have. Ain't nobody out there, and there's nobody in second place or third place or fourth place. She's it. There's no back door. I'm not looking for an escape hatch or a parachute. Tanana Reeve Do is my baby. You know, she was what I've been looking for. Oh, and and so, so that was the first thing. Fighting needs to be fair, and it, 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 it's, it can't be about the marriage. We are 100% committed. Nobody ever, ever threatens to walk out the door, period. Mm -hmm. And neither of us have no, ever done have that it. in 23 years of marriage. Nobody has ever threatened that or hinted that. The other thing came from my – I didn't uh, – I did a number of collaborations with the man who brought me into the science fiction field, a gentleman named Larry Niven, who was one of the great science fiction writers of the 20th century, Ringworld and Lucifer's Hammer and so, and so forth and so on. And um, he, he had collaborated with a partner named Jerry Pornell, and they taught me that one of the things that's necessary in a collaboration is somebody has to have the kill switch. One or the other of you has the ultimate judgment and, and to be able to say, yes, it's going to be this way. Now, the person who has that has the responsibility of being extra careful in terms of listening to the other person. Yeah, you don't lord it around. Because like, you've yeah. got the power. With great power right, comes great right, responsibility. Right. Um, so, um, you know, so those, those two. And the, whoever it is that has the kill switch, the lead, it varies based on what project it is, which one of us, you know, and you can tell when you look at our books, or our scripts, if she took the lead, her name comes first in the credits. If I took the lead, my name comes first. So, so wait, let me, the, tell, let me tell it, let me tell it. On the lake. So, um, yeah, on and Noir, uh, so the documentary came out, did well. We, we fought to get more, you know, it was a night, like a 90 minute documentary. So they green lit a movie version of Horror Noir, same name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't change the name, but they have a, a movie version. And we were blessed to write two episodes. One is The Lake, which is adapted from a short story I wrote. And one is called Fugue State, which is adapted from a story we both wrote. But Steve Way took lead in writing that short story. It was actually a part of a writing exercise. We could talk about that. But in any case, so for The Lake, uh, my name came first mm -hmm. because it was based on my story. And I took the lead in the screenplay. Fugue State, Steve's name comes first. 
And this is a good opportunity to plug that, as a matter of fact, it's on AMC yes. now. A lot of folks don't have Shutter. I get it. It's an extra little streaming service. But I know y'all have the Walking Dead, uh, have AMC because you've been watching The Walking Dead. So it's on AMC now, cut up into a series. The Lake is the first episode. And Fugue State uh, was, was uh, I think, the fourth episode. And by now, the viewers should be able to watch the entire horror noir series and six segments. Love it. And Tananari's name comes first on the lake. My yeah. name comes first on Fugue That's State. That's dope. I don't know how y'all do that. So Tananari, you take <laughs> the second half of that question then. How do you remain passionate when so many people around you aren't as passionate about something or they just don't see it? It's hard, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's even just this week. Uh, I had a disappointment. I have a, a book in development with a, a pretty strong little production company. They've had Oscar winning uh, films and they were trying to pitch uh, my book as a series. And I got the call this week. Mm, it ain't working. Nobody's buying. I don't understand it. And I just tried to keep it moving. You know, I was talking to my therapist. I, was, I had trouble sleeping. I didn't understand why I had a headache. She's like, well, did you actually grieve? <laughs> did you acknowledge that loss? But what you have to do, I think, is build really, really strong armor, first of all, mm. so that when I do get a disappointment like that, you try to feel like, oh, well, you know. And, and then, of course, the same day, we got another call that we may have an in somewhere else for another book where we might be able to write a pilot, right? It's one of my most popular books. And so yeah. that was a big high. But at the same time, I'm not willing to get too celebratory. Well, you know, not until there's a check, not until it happens, not until it's just so, it is, so it you hold. Mm-hmm. Even then, I don't turn handsprings. You know, it's like I'll be happy and you know, I'll be celebrating. But the people who let themselves turn handsprings when it's good are going to go, go into depression when it's bad and my attitude is i like to have my mood relatively calm. and i'll I tell you just a oh, happy sorry. guy so what i do no, i was just going to no, say go, the, go ahead, the way i keep centered is to keep the focus in the household and this is honestly mm. something i feel like i learned in part from the actor blair underwood uh he had optioned one of my books my soul to keep many many years ago so we spent a lot of time with blair Isn't he on the cover he's on the cover of all them books right too. he we did Looking a we did a series and... a tennyson hardwick uh erotic Boy, mystery series erotic. with him as the titular character um and <laughs> one of the things i saw in him is that he very often was around family his cousins there his kid, you know, and, and I thought, oh, that's how he keeps out the tabloids, you know, because you keep it focused on what actually matters because Hollywood is smoke, right? It's smoke. You can't grab it. You can't touch it. Um, but my son, who just turned 18, we're homeschooling him. That's first thing in the morning. That's what I'm focused on. I don't care who's trying to meet, who's trying to do what. Right. I'm focused on that. I'm focused on my relationship with my husband. We have a meeting every day where we start with what's called a blessing dance that, that, that where we affirm our love for each other. So. Yeah. If you ever do a thing specifically on relationships, we would love to, to do the blessing dance for you and and teach you that. Um, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you both as soon as this is over with to get the blessing dance, as well as to talk to y'all about homeschooling your children. Cause I don't want to send my back. I understand. He didn't want to go back himself. Um, I do. I have a ritual that I use every day, specifically that is designed to to uh, connect me with my my personal power. Um, it it is a combination of affirmation, physical motion, and um, and and speaking out loud. So it's affirmations in physical motion. So I'll be doing my tai chi form, 
and I will say, be saying out loud, you know, what I am grateful for in life, and I'm grateful for my beautiful, brilliant wife, Tanana Reeve. I literally say that every morning. Thank God for my beautiful, brilliant wife, Tanana I thank God for the people who love me and trust me, my son, Jason, my daughter, Nikki, my beautiful, brilliant wife, Tanana Reeve. And then I go into my plans, you know, and my goals, the, my values, the mentors who have meant the world to me, my, you know, uh, Larry Niven, my karate instructor, Steve Muhammad, um, just the people who, who created my life and the people who are showing me the way to not just be excellent in the world, but to age with dignity, the, to, you know, how do you move through life in a way to be able to express mm. yourself, keep your, keep your integrity they will offer you money for your soul. Bars. And I, you know, it's, it's like, it, the only thing that's worse than being offered money for your soul is being offered money mm. is wanting to sell right. out and nobody is buying. It ain't even worth it. Given, it's not even worth it. For me, it was never even worth trying to sell out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a no. whore and there are no takers. That would be the worst thing. But people offering you money what? to betray your friends to do things that are not ethical. I left one agent because I said to him, I don't know what's going to happen with my career in Hollywood, but I know that when I leave, I want to leave with my sense of honor intact. And he looked at me and he oh, said, no. you'll be the only one. Mm. And I knew that day that he and I would not understand each other because I'm very aware that I'm going to die. And I want my life to mean something. I want my death to mean something. I want to contribute to the world. I want to go into that good night as me, as having been as much me as I can be. And there have been times when I, I felt like I compromised too much. And, and Hollywood it, it will ask you to. And Hollywood, I, especially when it comes to race. Yes. Oh, listen. I mean, mm -hmm. just because the doors are open, it, just because they're taking the meetings and the, the characters may have black skin does not mean that by the time that project gets on the air that it has a black sensibility oh. and that it has black Ooh. integrity. Yeah. And I, we were blessed enough right. when we first moved to Los Angeles. I don't even really know how this happened. It must have been through Blair. We were regularly invited to uh, New Year's Day parties at the home of Angela Bassett and Courtney B. Vance. And they were a huge power couple, of course. And one of the things Angela Bassett told us is not all money is good money. And that's something I think about a lot. You know, we've turned things down for good money, for good money that thought that's just going to age me prematurely. That's going to take minutes off the end of my life. That's going to frustrate me. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be someone's black mm. consultant when, when, when on their project, when I could be putting that energy into my project. What? No. <laughs> and I wondered, I, I wondered whether or not I had lost my way and Leo and Diane Dillon were uh, artists, black, white, married couple, and where one of them would finish a line, the other one would begin it. Mm. I mean, just just amazing artists. They, they, whatever art is, they were the real thing, no question about it. And and a mutual friend, Harlan Ellison, uh, one of the great science fiction writers of the 20th century, another one, great, you know, just just fantastic man, introduced us, and I set up to have lunch with them in Greenwich Village. Um, to talk about my wife who wanted to be an artist. But when I was talking to them, I realized I was in the presence of something very special and that I didn't want to talk to them about my wife. I wanted to talk to them about the fact that I felt lost, that I wondered if I'd sold out too much. And I just broke down into tears. I was sitting there at the table and I just said, you know, is it too late for me? Have I, have I betrayed 
myself? Is it, can I still find my heart and find the place inside that, that gift that I wanted to give the world? And Diane reached across the table wow. and took my hands and said, Steve, if you can even ask that question, mm. it's not too late. It's never too late to reclaim your soul. It is never too, too late to reclaim your heart. Stand up and say, I want to give a gift of my real self to the world. I want to write to create things for, the, for the, the, the young man who looked at the world and said, where am I? Why don't you make images for me? You know, when I came home from a movie and, my, and, and the guy's neighbors who were hot, they killed the brother this time. Why can't we get you know, possessed? That boy that Why can't I, we be like, ghosts? Yeah. Yes. Why? Why can't we be damn yes. zombies? You know? Yeah. Yo, but okay, but wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Let me jump in. Let me jump in. Now I got a question because y'all just said something that um, I think it's something that you all both do very well, but it also reaches into, I guess, something that, that um, how do I say this? I'm definitely one of those kids who watched sci-fi movies when I was growing up and yeah. started asking questions about, well, how come I don't see black people? How come they didn't make a movie about Lando Calrissian? Like, they should have made a whole movie say about that. Lando. Yes. Like, like yes. that's just the way I felt. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And as I got older, especially with the music and stuff that I got into, I got into this term called Afrofuturism. And I didn't even know that I was really into it, but that's really about, it's like the black, it's black to the future. It's 2000 yeah. black. It's thinking about black people doing all the stuff that we keep asking, why can't Absolutely. we do, and then doing it. And I know that you two teach an amazing course on this. I want you all to kind of talk to us kind of about Afrofuturism and how this all kind of like what, what you all are. Well, absolutely. I made an F in black psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Start well, there. I teach Afrofuturism very broadly and I teach a course in it at UCLA coming up in the spring. It's really the black speculative imagination. Mm -hmm. It's the black speculative arts. Some of that is okay. futurism, like science fiction and seeing us in the future, but it can also be a revised past. It can be magical realism, it, horror. Get Out is Afrofuturism. That's a so horror science love, fiction story. It's Lovecraft Country with that yes. fall under. Oh my gosh. Ooh, oh my God. Yes. Ooh, what? Left, absolutely. The because just the right first there. 90 seconds of Lovecraft Country, when you see Tick in that dream sequence, he's getting to be the hero in all the movies we not to, never got to be the hero in. He's the hero of the war movie. He's like there with Jackie Robinson. He's there with the big monster. Like all those movies we were cut out of, they got that out of the way in the first 90 seconds of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, I mean, it's like you watch a movie like uh, When Worlds Collide, where Earth is going to be destroyed, and they build spaceships to take all the good people to another planet, and you take a look, and every single one of them is white. The original yeah, Star Wars was all white. They didn't even... We were we might eradicated in, that, in, in the original universe. Star Wars. Black people did not make yeah. it. I thought, nobody I thought, even cared. I thought that in the future, that black people were going to be Wookiees, because that was the only person of color in Star Wars. I'm not even lying to you. I seriously thought that we were all going to grow wait, up and just get mad wait. hairy and Is talk to black? each other in a series he of was black. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good Wookiee. That's real good. So, so I was I was teaching it at UCLA, oh. and and oh. just we decided really that everybody who's not at UCLA should have a chance to take that course too. So we have a digital download course where you take it at your own pace at www.afrofuturismwebinar.com, and it's a ten part course. And then we are the Black Horror Course is at www.sunkenplace. Yeah, sunkenplace class, class and Jordan Peele and the skyped course in. in writing sorry, that we I'm teach. Sorry. 
the, the course in writing, we teach a year-long course in writing where every week you get another lesson, you know, video and audio and prompts and everything. And that's uh, Life Writing Premium. Uh, and dot that's com. where I want to end because I want to celebrate the two of you because you fought so hard and so long for something that you believed in, even when all of the gatekeepers mm-hmm. and everybody else told you no after no after no. And even now with your foot in the door, you keeping the door open and giving the yes. game to everybody else that's coming behind you. And that's on that's top what of the podcast, man. Life writing, write your life. You can download it anywhere you download this podcast. I don't know when y'all have time to do it. You ain't got no choice but to do a love dance in the morning because you're too busy the rest of the fucking day. That's right. We got our date on the weekend. Yes, we did. Okay, right now. Yeah, that's lifewritingpodcast.com is where people can learn more about the podcast. And we we just love talking about the arts, our lives, how to maintain health and sanity in the midst of all of this. Um, and, and you know, just and thank you for coming like on. You on. Thank well, you, you for coming you drop, on. You drop some truth for people about what what it's like to build a career. In, in, and I'd never heard some of the things that you said. I wanted to thank well, you for your I'm, I'm happy to be honest with y'all. I don't be honest on this show because everybody <laughs> giving me shit. Every not. time I open up on this show, <laughs> these two Negroes start attacking any any vulnerable. Anytime you I'm know, vulnerable. to be honest with you. You know, I uh, I spent over 50 years practicing martial arts, and I realized that it wasn't about wanting to be a badass, although it's fun. It wasn't about that. It was about feeling unafraid to be who I really am, is being able to be vulnerable, to be able to cry or laugh or say, this is who I am to the world, and not have any fear at all. Not because I think I can whip everybody, exactly. because I cannot, mm. but because I know I will Living. fight for myself. I'm going to say this on my way out the door. Tanner Reeves, Stephen, I talk about my wife like I love her without any questions. I give her all the props in the world. But on the real, when I get older, I still want to talk about my wife, Stephen, the way that you talk about Tanner Reeves. And I want my wife, Tanner Reeves, to talk about me the way that you talk about Stephen. Never take it for granted, my friend. Oh, just remember, just remember, always be courting her. Always remember that she's the girl. You know, who fell in love with you, that Tanana Reeve has given me what some people refer to as the best years of her life. Mm-hmm. I want her to never regret having chosen me. I want her to always yes. know in every moment. Life is a precious journey. I would do anything way. I can do for her. She is Aww. she is the love of my life. Period. My uncle told me when uh when I got married, the, we, we tell people it's the best advice anybody gave us. My uncle told us when we got married that the honeymoon mm. is over when you say it is. And so right. we we ain't said it yet. Amen. So I feel you. That's, Excellent. That's it. Love her. Way. Love her with everything you have. You know, love is one of the great gifts in life. We believe in it. We're actually going to be doing our new our class in finding your soulmate, the lover's journey, um, <laughs> within the next within the next few weeks. They don't we're need to be, sign you up. That. Maybe you'll have us back on. We can talk about love and sex and you know all them good things. You don't that need God to sign up us. for that class, JG. That man sent you flowers and you didn't even do no investigation to see. Who sent you them flowers? You ain't ready. That's the show. Voice job fair. The product of iHeartMedia, Comedy Central, and South Park and Princeton Productions. Tanana Redo, Stephen Barnes. Thank you all for staying with us for the entirety of the show. That is rare. We do not, that's 
less than five times. Oh, this is well, we are honored. Thank yeah, you for having literally. us. Less than five times. So thank you all so, so. It that was, was worth it. Thank you for letting there us be real. There was a single waste thank you for that, that, Just that bar after bar after bar. Bar after bar. Love ain't facing you. We got a lot of mofo. Great. Is got a lot of mofo. <laughs> they, how you said it? Love is facing the world again. They ain't looking at each other and arguing about Lo- love is not your shit off the TV. Other, oh, that's not looking love. in the same direction. Uh, I say, well, you better go back to the gym tonight, fool. Oh, but in a pinch, <laughs> lust will do. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.